Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer while praising the great parts and pointing out the bad parts and diving deeper than you ever knew you needed. Join us for the climax of the show, if you know what we mean. I'm Lena. And I'm Vera. And this is Season 6. Today we're talking about Episode 9, Goodbye Lucifer. I kind of feel like this should have been the title for the last episode, though. You'd think, but it makes complete sense. Does it? Yeah. The the fact that it's named this, it makes sense to me. Eh, Okay. We're going to see where this is going. Today's episode, I summarized as follows. Lucifer ties up all his relationships while trying his hardest not to disappear. And we are left with the worst cliffhanger of the season. Oh, and also, Amenadiel decides to become the new god. Yay, finally, right? It was very, very obvious happening with Amenadad or what he calls him. Amenagod. Amenagod, sorry. Wrong Amenadiel pun. There you go. That's so very close, though. Now, one of the reasons why I feel like Goodbye Lucifer is an adequate name for the episode is my obsession of the weekend. I feel like we have outgrown Lucifer getting obsessed with things. So I just went with the overall theme of himself in this episode and that is saying goodbye huh i went with his last day respectively not his last day because he's trying very hard to on the one hand make it sure that this is not his last day and on the other hand behaving like it is his last day so i went with Hmm. in brackets not his last day interesting do we count this as a match or not it is related. I mean, it technically is the same thing in yeah, a way. Let's, let's be nice. It's going to put us at four out of nine. So we have a chance. We're to... still in the game. We're still in the game. Let's head into the facts and funs. We have our usual three. Fourth time director Kevin Alejandro. Previous episode was nothing ever changed around here. This is his last episode. Which, obviously, because there's only one more coming. We have ninth time writer Chris Rafferty. Previous episode was Nothing Lasts Forever. This is his last episode. I want to cry. And, of course, the title is said by Mace and then by, I think, Chloe. So this puts us at four out of nine for Lucifer, which puts him at the same bracket as us. Finally. Then, of course, we have Lucifer's to-do list, which I did not include in a freeze frame frenzy because the entire thing is on IMDb. And the list reads, Become God, Prove I Love Rory, Check in on Father Frank, Azrael's Blade Still Secure, question mark, Start Calling Dan Casper, Rewatch Bones, Visit Sao Paulo, Try Golden Gate with Chloe. Why does he want to visit Sao Paulo? I don't know. I don't think that's anything specific that we know of in the show. I think that's just like this random thing. Like, always wanted to go to Sao Paulo. It's the only thing that has no connection to anything, you know? I say let's ask them, Alice. Do we want to do that? I'd love to know. Why does Lucifer need to do needs to why is it on his list why is it on its to-do list for the rest of his life basically the panic room scene was improvised kevin alejandro as a director just gave tom ellis and lauren german some general directions and the camera started rolling while they did whatever they felt natural for their characters while standing and holding each other and i've heard that before and i absolutely love it because this scene it feels very in character and it feels very authentic which makes sense because this is what they, after six seasons, 
feel their characters would do and it works i also know that he didn't tell them in front of anybody else he took them aside and they had a conversation nobody knows what was said except Mm. for the three of them nice and then they walked on the stage or they walked on the set and and this is what came out which is one of the reasons why i love the fact that kevin is the one who directed this episode because it's not a new person brought from the outside it's somebody who has been a part of this family since episode one so uh, not it, it just has that great sense of community and and family when i also feel this. that as a fellow actor of this cast, he is even more aware of how well those two know their characters Mm -hmm. and thus was in a better position to trust them with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they always could have done another take, you know? Like, he always had the opportunity to, like, step in and actually direct this scene, but given what they managed to muster up and deliver, (laughs) there was no need for it. And this concludes the facts and funs. I'm very curious, what of these made it into the actual episode. <laughs> Go then. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it's a big empty space. It's just gonna leave 30 seconds of silence. The sound of silence. Wow. Deep cut. Yeah, I know. So now, as we are sitting here talking to each other, it has come time for previously on Lucifer. For the penultimate time. Yeah. Dan died and now is a ghost. Mace and Eve got married. Ella finally knows about the divinity. Ames figured out why the world is ending. Rory is Lucy's and Chloe's daughter who traveled from the future to tell Lucifer that he was an absentee father. And Lucy decided being God is not his calling. Yay! This episode starts so ominously with... The dark screen and you have the ticking and then we're suddenly at death row or something. And it's just like, wow, what the fuck is going on? Like for a second, I was like, who is this dude in the prison? And when before we get to see the face or like before I got to realize the shapes and everything, I was like, is this Lamech? That's like very weird. I was like, this can't be Lamech. Like, this is not Rob. No, 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 no. And it's like, no, this is a random dude and we don't know. But the random dude has a pet cat called Mr. Meowgi, which is a horrible pun on the main character of Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi. And I hate it. But I love the fact that it's not a cat, but a lion. (laughs) It's perfection. It's so good. And he walks out of the cell and they walked him down. He asks about the cat. And then suddenly a fucking lion shows up. And I was just like, what is happening? And then we get the little look of behind the corner. And we see Henjobadil. No, it's Jophiel, the surfer angel. Oh, sorry. It's Jophiel. So it's Jophiel. And he's so proud of himself. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did this. And then he writes something in his little note. And I'm like, what the shit is happening to this what? Then we get the voiceover from Amenadiel saying that the angels have been answering prayers, which completely makes sense because we just saw this random dude praying in the cell. And, you know, that's that from the prison. And I was like, okay, well, that's a very random way to show that they're... I love it. You know, they're doing this. Like, why would they just out of nowhere go into a random prison with a random person? No way connected to anything. It's the same with the stupid prison bus that we had in the finale in season five. But here the payoff is instant. Yeah, At least now I remember this happened, (laughs) when it actually becomes 
important. I love Amanda Diel's description of apocalypse by a thousand paper cuts. Absolutely. That is such a cool image. I was actually thinking, because this is a whole thing, like death by a thousand cuts yeah. is a whole thing. So that was actually one of my potential suggestions for a uh, either switcheroo for myself now, because you haven't covered it, but maybe it would be interesting probably to get deeper look into the cuts. Ooh, into the cuts. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, I know very little about this right now, so I don't know if this is going to actually come to fruition, but we'll see how there. it goes. We, of course, then Lucy coming clean to Menadiel that he has decided that being God is not his calling. Mm-hmm. Which Menadiel, not that much of a fan, which I get because Remy died for this. Yes, and we have had a whole thing, whole war was fought. And basically, Amenadiel is the person who was Lucifer's first supporter when Lucifer said he wants to do this. Yeah. So it is completely understandable. I you lost the most. Yeah. I love this whole scene, how it's written and how it flows. It's just so good. And it's just the words and everything. Yeah, Chris Rafferty and Kevin Alejandro are a really, really great combination. Like writing mm-hmm. and directing mm-hmm. really comes together in this episode. Of course, Lucifer has to jinx it because he says everything will be fine. And that is basically the point where he ruins everything for everyone and the reason why this episode ends as horribly as it does. So I blame Lucifer. He fucks this up twice this episode and we get instant gratification or a negative gratification for both of these situations. Yep. And they both include Lamech. Because so... he says everything will be fine and we cut over into prison to Lamech. Finally. And yes, judging by the lights and the prison clothes and everything, we are in the same prison. And I, which I did not, I had not realized that at all. I didn't realize that, but it makes sense looking back at it. But yes, it's at this point I still didn't make the connection. But we get done trying to face Lenek and trying to figure out what is his guilt about this. Then, and I'm actually so happy for Dan to be throwing himself into this. So he is facing his murderer basically here. He's so close to working it out because he is willing to go all the way. Because even though it makes no sense in this moment to him, he's like, okay, you were the one that popped into my brain the second when Mace did the whole guiding me through my guilt shit. So why? What do I have to feel guilty about you? Why are you the center of my guilt? And he's like really in his face. And holy shit, Lamech still looks completely terrified. Yeah, yeah, he does. I've managed to managed to see him uh, twice since this episode came out and he just I told him this and he looks he looked so proud of, of his work on this episode and deserve, deservingly so because he did such a good job in this episode specifically I enjoyed him as a Lemek to some context to before, some degree but in yeah <laughs> this episode is like holy fucking shit but yeah he still looks completely terrified what i don't understand is how he can go from being absolutely terrified to taking advantage of the situation in the blink of an eye it's like okay what is going on we still don't know what lucifer said to him to make him this terrified so mm-hmm. i'm very very curious if we're actually going to learn this in the last episode because that's the only place where we still have time to learn this mm-hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm very very curious of course then all hell breaks loose because mr miyagi is losing the prison and the guard who was just 
fucking with him did not close the door because that's how it goes. And since this is a prison, not a sanctuary, the door does not close on its own. Yep. Dan luckily is there to see this happening, but nobody else can hear him. So he does the smart thing. Yes. And he follows him. I was so upset. So I was like, at least follow him. And then, of course, later on, we learn that he actually follows me. Like, thank fuck you followed him. At like, least that, right? Because it's just like, dude, dude. Yeah, don't dude. just stand there following yeah. him. I mean, you're a ghost. We go into the penthouse and I'm pretty sure we have a song here, right? We do indeed have a song. It's a great montage song by the Bangles and it's called Hazy Shade of Winter. Well, we are not in a hazy shade of winter. We are bathed in heavenly light, I described it, because this is in all the morning glow and glory. We get a Lucy butt that has been Mm -hmm. a while since we had one and it is still a very nice butt, I have to say. Indeed it is. And then enjoyment ends for me because did you notice that he throws everything as is into the blender? Yes. Like not just the whole as lemons, but also like the stems on the grapes are still attached and everything. Just the whole fucking thing into the blender. with. And also the contents of the blender changes basically with every cut. Like they had like two or three different stacked blenders and it's just, there's so much chaos and I hate it and it's like, what? <laughs> but the song is great. The song is great, yes. And he's very happy. That is also very great. Yeah, and we get this really happy vibe of Lucifer. And it's really nice to see him so relaxed and and yeah. enjoying this. And then, of course... Yeah, because he wasn't paying attention because he lost track of time. Yeah, and then, of course, Chloe puts a dumper on the day. Yeah, the fun police is here. Chloe enters and she shits all over his happy morning. No, I'm completely kidding. She's like, dude, I'm not. What the fuck? What the fuck? It's like, today's the day. So we have the discussion. Chloe needs to run some errands. So uh, she is leaving Lucifer behind for a couple of hours. And he goes, I'll be here, not worrying about the future. Yeah, not worrying for sure. And then he buys a panic room. (laughs) Not buys, builds. Well, he buys it at Ikea. And so he has to assemble it himself, apparently, which I find absolutely hilarious. Yeah, fair. But it's a very Lucy thing, yeah. Yeah, then when uh, Rory shows up and and she's all like, oh, what's happening here? He goes, we decided not to panic, so I'm building a panic room. It feels like the most Lucifer statement ever. Yeah, it's very on brand, absolutely. So good. But she makes the point with the time loop and she has a very good point with the time loop according to most time travel storylines. Yeah. So I'm, very curious how they're gonna break the whole time loop thingy because or will they well it would kind of go against the essence of his character if he just leaves her and so far we have not found a single thing that would be powerful enough to keep him from his daughter but this is apparently a story for another day because Lucifer tries for another father-daughter day. But he does it the good way. Honestly, I don't think the difference is in how he asks for it, but that she now doesn't hate him anymore because he has proven that he loves her after getting shot by her. (laughs) Yeah, a little detail. Yeah, basically he asks her if she wants to help him have fun because he may have forgotten And it's just so sweet and she laughs and you can see how much she wants this, how happy she is. Now she actually allows herself to bond with him and to enjoy the time with him because now she is not just angry at him all the time. Yes. Now we're going to go into the 
fun montage. And we get a song for that. It's called Breakout by Drash, which is Jared spelled backwards. Ooh. I called the montage debauchery because... That's what Lucifer calls it when he first invites her to join in. And they are actually having a lot of fun and they're doing a lot of fun things. And I love the going into the bakery and then one of everything and then going into the jewelry store and also one of everything. What I thought was that later on he would give Chloe a ring. Yes, it did feel like he was about to propose. After the debauchery outside has happened, they return to the penthouse and obviously Mm -hmm. now he needs to educate her about the best TV show ever made. I am absolutely there with him. Lucifer is introducing her to Bones, but she's like, oh, you mean the original? The spin-off is so much better. And I'm like, I want them to make this. She starts describing being more bones which is the spin-off of bones i love the title i have to say more bones is a great title for a spin-off for bones and booth and brennan have a cyber daughter called borgie who works with an fbi agent called andro and then at this point i stopped it i was like writing it down andro what kind of name is andro does that mean that he's an android Turns out she goes, oh, yeah, which is really weird because he doesn't have a single bone in his body because he's an android. And I'm like, why would you name an agent Andro when he's an android? What kind of name is that? I love it. And I really need to watch it. It's so stupid. I love it. I was expecting you to completely lose your mind about the remake. So I was not disappointed. So good. But of course, I'm a purist when it comes to shit like this. And I always say original version, much better than remakes and spinoffs and everything. So also, it's not a remake, right? It's a it's a spinoff. Oh, no, it's so, a spinoff. Yeah. Sorry, I wrote down as a remake. So uh, there's Ugh. a spinoff. No. I corrected nobody, it. Nobody yeah. can remake Bones and make it better because the show is perfection. Take a sad song and make it better. No. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Chloe enters our beautiful scene and we have some more time travel conversation. And Mm -hmm. once again, Rory is the one who has the best grasp on time travel. I am very unhappy with Chloe in this scene. Yes, absolutely. So as unhappy as I was with Lucifer earlier on for basically shifting the blame over to her for him forgetting the day. Now she is attacking Lucifer for having doubts. And that feels so out of character to me. I think she's just... Okay, so what is happening now? And we know this because by the end of the episode, we find out that she is pregnant. That in my theory, she is getting hormonal. That's one of the reasons why she ends up taking the test. And so she gets overwhelmed by the idea of Lucifer leaving. And then she has irrational reactions to the fact that he's trying to be practical about this. So not only he's going to do everything in his power to not leave, but he will also make sure that if somehow it happens that he disappears, he's not going to leave everything behind without saying goodbye or like without having spent some time with his daughter. Do you get hormonal that early on in the pregnancy? I would assume so. I don't know anything about that. As far as I know, the first trimester is the worst, so I would assume. Really? 
What I think the last is the word. Okay. I don't. <laughs> Pregnancy, schmegnancy. <laughs> I, I know, I know. She She's standing there not crying or, you know, anything like that. So I think that's a, an achievement that she can do right now. And she probably won't be able to do in when she's further along. Maybe huh. it's first trim- trimester is not the worst. I mean... Yeah, it kind of makes sense if you think about it that, okay, she is pregnant, she might already have like some hormonal effects, but still it felt out of character to me that she is attacking Lucifer. Also, of course, the time is running out. She is worried. She is freaking out. It it makes sense. She is human after all, even though the show more often than not doesn't treat her um, as a vanilla regular human. So my expectations for her, of course, are much higher because she is super mom, super cop, super Chloe. So, yeah, but this scene wraps up Mm -hmm. and we go over to Linda's. And here we have a very interesting debate about free will versus fate. As I predicted, even though his therapy is officially over, he still Mm -hmm. comes to Linda to talk to about the things that move him and the things that occupy his mind because she is the best person to talk to. And Absolutely. So I love this. And especially given the fact that she already has a half angel baby, mm-hmm. she is yet again the best person to talk to in the setting. So yay, Lucifer, for going straight to Linda. Yeah. She says, if Rory knows what we will do before we do it, is it set in stone? And if so, are we really choosing to do it? Linda says something extremely important in this scene, and that is the comparison between live like it's your last day and seize the day. Because those two on a superficial level look so similar, but they are Mm -hmm. so inherently different. And live like it's your last day is inherently toxic. Mm -hmm. And seize the day is the much healthier approach. And I really like that she addresses this. Like we don't go into a deep dive or anything, but Mm. I like that this is mentioned because live like it's your last day. It's like this live, laugh, laughter. It's like, no, Mm -mm. living like every day is your last is extremely unhealthy. Because you live a life that expects you to have no consequences. Exactly. That's the main difference. You're focusing on things that would have consequences otherwise while if you are seizing the day you're focusing on things that are important to you you're focusing on opportunity instead of ignoring consequences and that is the main difference go. that's a that's a very well put yeah thank you it's like i thought about this huh <laughs> somebody had to i didn't go that i definitely wrote this down and and had a note on it but i did not think about it this deeply no worries. So I appreciate you. Speaking of appreciation, Lucifer gives us verbal appreciation of Linda in this scene. And this is the first moment where I have emotions. And looking at your face, you also had emotions. Did it already make you cry? Yes, she nods. Okay. The thing is, it sounds very much like a goodbye, what he's doing it here. Does. But it also is him putting into words the things that he has not spelled out in the past. And her answer, now I know, means that she wasn't as aware as she might have been or could have been in the past. And so it was important for him to spell it out. Yeah, it's a different situation if you have your suspicions and you have your feelings and everything. And then if you actually hear somebody say it, it gives it a different gravity. Absolutely. And the thing is, she accepts this so gracefully. Because you and me, we're not people who handle compliments well. Like, nah. It's like, no. But Linda 
Linda handles getting this huge, huge compliment, basically, so gracefully. It's almost as if she's emotionally healthy. Yes, and mature. <laughs> I know, right? Can, can you imagine being like that? No, no I genuinely cannot. <laughs> me neither. Yeah, and then he leaves. Yeah, then he leaves. And we jump over to Chloe's and we see her with the first book called Physics of Time Travel, if I gathered that correctly. Yes. She is at home and an amenadiel joins in, right? Mm-hmm. And we have the entire amenadiel god conversation thing happening. And I'm here to say in all caps, thank you, Chloe, for wording this. How did she word it? I didn't actually write down the quote itself, but she <laughs> pretty much said we all expected you to be the god. Uh, yeah, okay. Basically, she says, why wouldn't you be the god? And then she says the one very important thing where when Amenadiel expresses the doubt and him wanting to be around for Charlie, she says, who says God has to rule from heaven? Yeah, that's when I, I wrote down, what if God was one of us? Oh my God. Just a strange. On a bus. It's not a stranger though, is he? Well, if you don't know him, then he's a stranger. But we know him. Yeah, it's but called a menadiel. Okay. Yep. Yeah, no, basically, <laughs> they have a conversation. Long story short, we're horrible people. Completely rolling over any song references made in this scene by uh, certain da, da, Lena. Da, 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 da. I have. A, if you hear something behind me, it's just the wind chimes. Da, 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 it's not a real thing or a song. Uh, I would like to say, yeah, Amenadiel and Chloe had this conversation and she brings up some really, really good points. I am glad she did because it's something that we've talked about multiple times when the issue was risen. It doesn't necessarily mean that Amenadiel needs to repeat what his father did. He can be his own god. Exactly. Yes. That is the entire point of this because Lucifer wasn't gonna repeat his father's mistakes or repeat his Yeah, father's but he did think that things. he would have to rule from heaven. So that is an assumption that they have followed because they are kind of set in their ways. And it is important to have like external influences to break out of your tradition mindset. Whoa! This is exactly why Chloe would have been an amazing consultant. Mrs. God. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Enough of the God talk. It is time for our next stop of Lucifer's goodbye tour that is not an official goodbye tour. And we are going into the precinct and Vero is already close to crying again. No! Ella is dismantling her apocalypse board and I am very sad because I love the apocalypse board but obviously now there is no need for it anymore. I love that Ella quotes Carol back to Lucifer. Oh yeah. The whole conversation that they had basically the night before and they keep reminding us that this is all happening in a very... Yeah. short time yeah. so it makes it more urgent to me and I like the way it is kind of written in without being hammered by it over the head it's made obvious without being annoying yeah yeah so they have this conversation of Lucifer starting to apologize him apologizing finally and like literally I was just watching this couldn't see shit just Aww. writing things down and I love this I love that he's like that I love that he, he loves Ella so much there's not much else that I could have said about this scene until the point when she actually reads the pencil the thing is I love that he is 
apologizing to her for yes. not proactively getting her into the know. So even though she understands and we get the whole Carol parallel and everything and she gives us the whole explanation with if you know someone's heart, still having the apology I think makes a huge difference even though she understands it. And then he makes it one better even because he says in the past I have disappeared without warning and I didn't want to do this to you again and there might be a chance that I will disappear again without having any influence on it. And so him informing her of this potential risk and letting her know is him proactively keeping her in the loop, which is exactly what he apologized for not doing earlier. So he is basically putting his money where his mouth is. And I love that because this is genuine. This is not just, oh, I'm giving you an apology so you feel better. No, this is I'm apologizing because I actually think I did wrong and I'm changing my behavior. And so this made me extremely happy. And then, of course, we have the hilarious situation with the pencil because the pencil is turned around. And then she turns around the pencil and she reads the whole uh, Miss Ella Lopez STEM Foundation thing. And we get that whole shenanigan. And that is very sweet. And now Vero is crying again. I'm not. Shut up. And I think that is extremely sweet. We have to go over to Lamech and Dan shenanigans. Oh, God, this scene made me so angry. Really? Josh, you fucking idiot. He's so stupid. He's not trained for this. He is not reacting rationally. Oh, God. It's like, come on, dude. Like, you see a fucking killer in your shop. And the first thing you do is that you turn on the telly, like the sound, so the, the dude knows now that you've recognized him. What the fuck? I was so ecstatic that Dan actually followed Lamech because yes. it was the smart thing to do. But in the yes. past, Dan has not always acted in the smartest way. And so I was very happy to see that. As for Lamech, Rob Benedict definitely can look very menacing, but his French accent is still absolutely atrocious. It's so bad. I'm very, very glad that we don't get to hear it for very long. Yes. Because as this very tense situation plays out and everything, we get finally possession time. And I'm so happy for that. Here, in my opinion, Rob Benedict and Kevin Alejandro really kill it. Because the mimicry that we see is really well done. It's perfection. It's suddenly not Rob. It's not Kevin. It's not Lamech. It's Dan. I feel like we've talked about this before. We heard about this before, how they did this. That that they actually talked about this. Wasn't there yes. like an interview or something? I asked him a few times. I did a meet and greet with Rob. Ah, that's where I have the information from. Okay, share with the class, girl. I'm pretty sure that we've talked about this on the podcast, but if we didn't, this came out at the beginning of September of 2021. At the end of September 2021, there was a supernatural convention called Crossroads 3 Numbers. Rob was one of the guests, and because I love him and he's the bestest bean, and he is literally uh, the best way to end your convention. I got a meet and greet, or as at Star Fury we call it, fun meet, with him, including all of the other things and influences and questions that were happening there. It was a very lovely meet and greet. I just love him so much, so I didn't bring this up until he says, okay, so we need to finish. Last question is like, oh shit, I wanted to ask about Lucifer. And we couldn't really share or didn't want to spoil it for anybody because at that point the episode was out for a few weeks. 
So a good number of people sitting around that table didn't actually see it. So we tried to avoid names. But Rob was kind of, I think, spoiled because he said that the guy that he is going to play directed the episode because it was a part <laughs> of the answer. So I did ask him and I complimented him multiple times on his performance in this episode because it's so fucking good. And I asked him what was the process and, and how he managed to do it so well. And he's like, it was actually quite simple because the guy that normally plays his character also directed this episode. So we actually had a sit down and he helped me a lot getting through these scenes and he was there to help me out if if it just didn't feel right basically Kevin was there every step of the way and nice I know that Rob is really proud of this episode because then I saw him again in uh, Las Vegas at a convention a couple months ago and I did bring it up again because I just find it so amazing and I love watching these people because Supernatural we've talked about it and through it so many times it they've heard all the questions much. they've given and it all the answers much new things it's just yeah. it feels old this doesn't spark joy yes i just discard it so <laughs> i just like watching them talk about other projects that are they are passionate about and clearly rob loves this episode and not just this episode but his whole arc on lucifer and he really enjoyed himself because i just mentioned it and he's like oh it was so good <laughs> and at that point he started giving me a little bit more like names and details because it's been months after the initial mm. release so he felt more comfortable but yet he was talking more about Kevin being so helpful and being so good at directing him and basically Rob being the person he is it felt like he's putting all the credit on Kevin mm. it's like oh, I just I didn't do much you know I was just there and Kevin Alejandro the guy was just so good at helping me through this process so nice. you know I just can't help but love Rob Benedict for everything because he is just such a good person if you get the chance to meet Rob Benedict and he is coming to town near you do it because it's so worth it he's the nicest person ever and he will genuinely take interest in you and your questions and in you as a person as well and he gives love Hugs. He's a very good bean, that is absolutely true. So now we have Lamech possessed by Dan, and we cut over to Lux. That we do. Now the revelation comes. Oh yeah, the, the revelation, the reveal, the big one. The double revelation. Ooh. Because not only we get to see Lucifer's way of appreciating Amenadiel. Which, oh my god. Yeah, it was it was amazing and it was beautiful. Lucifer telling Amenadiel that he is so glad that he got to spend the time on Earth with him and that he is actually his favorite brother. Given that they have like hundreds and hundreds of other siblings, it's... Huh. There is a very slim line between love and hate. And we've seen Lucifer interacting more with a, not like a raging hate, more like a, a dislike, but also the intrigue of like, I want to poke at this and see what he's going to do with it. So He it's loved more... messing with him all, all the yeah, time. Yeah, he loved interacting with Amandil. So it makes absolute sense that he's his favorite brother because as much as I hate that trope, <laughs> it's the... It's the you know, pulling on pigtails. Yeah, absolutely. Situation. Yep. Where you absolutely. don't know how else to, to express your emotions. Throwing so, stones at people you like. Yeah, so this is a lovely way to express and word the relationship that is between them. And I just really, really loved it in this scene. And the fact that he's sharing Lux with him. 
I mean, it makes sense. If he actually has to leave, who else would he leave it to? Because Mace has an established career and life that makes her very, very, very happy. And we don't know that anyone else is managing Lux to whom he could leave it. So Amanadil is kind of the obvious choice because Chloe is going to go back to the LAPD. The force. Yeah. And Dan is dead. So Ella is also busy. Linda has a career. I Would mean, you leave it to Dan? I no, but he, so. he doesn't have any options. But yeah, no, he doesn't. You know? Yeah. But also, I think it's a big gesture on Lucifer's part because Lux has been such an important part of yeah. his journey. Absolutely. From the very beginning he came to LA that it's like the most precious thing that he currently owns if we're not talking about people. And he already knows that his car is going to go to Rory. Well, yes, obviously. <laughs> But, you know, no sharing something this significant oh, yeah, with absolutely. his brother is very, very high praise from him, even without the words. But he also says the words. so. And also, it just fits very well in a narrative because Amenadiel goes like, oh, yeah, awesome. And we can have the angels like working here and like, have their first contact with humanity and yaddy yaddy. And it makes perfect sense because Lux is such basically a safe space for them to try themselves out. Mm-hmm. And people are used to so many weird things in Lux that they're not going to bat an eye. And so, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I love it. And of course, this this is also the scene where we have the Amena God being dropped, no? So, yeah. yay! Everything is set up and we have another green check mark behind the next character Lucifer mm. needs to say goodbye to. And now we go to the next one. Yeah, and the way we kind of go over is Amenadiel says, well, I'm not going to be gone for that long, but you know who will. Truth being told, I did not think of Maze at this moment until I saw the skulls. Well, there is honeymoon time and it makes sense that we need to go on a honeymoon. Yeah, we get a song going over to this scene that is by SVLT. Again, with these modern names that I do not know how to pronounce <laughs> Sorry, I am 86 years old. And it's called I'm a Queen. She is a queen. The song ends. This scene was extremely emotional, obviously. But mostly for me, because Maze instantly realizes that something is up. Everyone else was kind of surprised by Lucifer talking with them and sharing with them and appreciating them. Mm -hmm. And Maze very much from second one realizes something is up and this is what made this scene that much more emotional for me because of the but both sides are more engaged this is not lucifer sharing one-sided and the other person hearing it but this is this is a conversation and this is ah lucifer again shares words which is a good thing and that's kind of the point of this whole thing but i feel like there's maybe even more conveyed in the conversation non-verbally than verbally oh yeah absolutely so the important words are being said but the fact that mace that they're hugging realizes that this is a goodbye pretty fast the fact that she takes out one of her knives for me the words that are being said are of course just as relevant as the actions but i'm completely with you in this scene both sides words and actions really complement each other but lucifer telling mace you're my best friend. That was the moment where I like I could handle everything before. Yeah, that was fine. It's like, yeah, it was very sweet and very good and appreciation and yaddy yaddy yaddy. But him finally acknowledging 
you're my best friend. And that apologizing for not me. treating her yes. that way. The before. awareness that he did treat her badly. The acknowledgement that she is his best friend. And the apology. Because just like with Ella, the apology is important. Even if the sentiment is already crossed over to the other person and the other person is aware, the apology still is important. And so this scene just fucking broke me. I was very, very glad that I actually hugged because he like opens his arms and she goes like, since when's the... the she's like nah. and it's like fuck for fuck's sake and then they hug and I was I was very glad that they hugged and then of course her face like Leslie Ann this is one of the beautiful moments I feel where actor and character are pretty much in line because this was also one of the last things that they filmed and this is also saying goodbye to this character combination and everything. Mm. And so her face breaking up and, and trying not to cry and everything. It feels very much both a Leslie Ann and a Mace thing. Mm. And it really, really worked well for me. When she takes out the knife oh. and gives it to him and she says, you will always have a piece of me. Yeah. We get the title drop. She says goodbye, Lucifer. And she drives off on her amazing wedding honeymoon ready by. I absolutely love the layout of the bike. And we get a song with her leaving by Memory Spells and Maya Manser called Can't Hold Me Down. No. We go over to Lux. Do we get a new song for Lux? No, no, no. It's closed. So there's no song. Oh yeah, good point. I am so proud of Dan for being so aware and bringing Lumex's body straight up to Lux to the Celestials so it can be dealt with. This is so smart. Especially since he is hoping to get out of it. He also doesn't know how long this lasts. Like, this could be forever or it could just, at a random time, he could just pop out again. So this is the safest place to put the body. Unless... Unless he gets strangled by Lucifer, which, hey, good reaction. Unless he gets him arrested. He walks his body into the police station. That was my kind of solution. Once you get Lamech back behind bars, you can try to figure out how to get out of there or let him get shift or something. Yeah, but he still is Dan, so he kind of wants to get it sorted first by himself hey, because he's a big do-it-myself mommy boy, so... Um... <laughs> no, I get it. I understand it, but I don't think that there's no other solution. No, 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 no. but this is the best solution. And Lucifer does not react well to Lamech's presence in his club. And he straight up Good. goes to strangling him, which I absolutely Good. love. But croaking out, Bruce, Bruce, helps defuse the situation, which, nice call. It's back. amazing. It's yes. so perfect. And of course, now that Lucifer realizes, oh no, it's not Lamech, it's Dan. He is his usual Lucifer self. He is being kind of dismissive about the whole situation. Yeah, a little bit. Which is a shame because it's like, raise that bros, fuck's sake, why doesn't Dan get a heartfelt goodbye? Because he is dead already. Yeah, so? My poor boy Dan, he deserves better. But to be fair with Lucifer, he does notice that Dan gets very, very sad. There is this amazing moment where Rob Dan takes a drink of the whiskey and then he hugs the glass, which is like very Kevin thing to do or Dan thing to do rather. And it's just, again, we're going through this scene and it's on point. Every single expression feels correct. Imagine for Dan, this has been thousands of years Mm -hmm. because he was stuck 
stuck in hell so long. And all this time, he didn't taste a single thing. And now Lucifer is pouring him some really good whiskey. And he, for the first time in millennia, can taste something. And this is what he tastes. So it's so... While all of this is happening, I was getting extremely uneasy because Lucifer is sharing so much information while Lomek is literally in the room. And we don't know how possession works. So in my brain, I go the entire time, Lomek is hearing all of this. Lomek is hearing all of this. Lomek is hearing all of this. Yep, did not cross my mind whatsoever. This is worrying me extremely. And of course, at the end, when we are in the park, he just leaves the body and Lamech is apparently left behind. And this makes me extremely anxious. And of course, we then have the fucking cliffhanger at the end of the episode. But this is where I started getting anxious. Yep, that's fair enough. The only reason why I would consider this a problem and I uh, was a little bit more vigilant about what was happening here and what was shared here is because I knew that by the end of this episode, Dan's gonna leave him behind. And that was the only only reason why I even like thought about this as a possibility. Oh, I was anxious about this the first time I watched this. Because I this is the such a time. classic. This is such a classic thing. Yeah, to me, I'm just like, ah, possessed. That means that he's not there, right? He's locked away in some room within his mind and he doesn't even know he's being possessed or something like that. That's where my brain Not went. every show is supernatural. I know. <laughs> And we are better for it. But Lucifer does bring the most important thing to the table and that he shares what he's doing right now. And that is, it's less about what we do in our final moments or with our limited time. It's more about who we spend the time with. Do you think that's true? Yes, I think it's true. I think it's not 100%. It obviously matters what you do, but as long as you are with the people you love and you're sharing that with them, I okay. think it's the most important thing. Okay. He imparts this wisdom on then basically spend your time that you have with the people you love the most. And off he goes to do exactly that. And so obviously we have to head to Chloe next. And she is still in full-on research mode. Chloe is reading the books and on time traveling again. And it makes sense to me that she's doing the research. Oh, but yeah. I'm still very, very upset with her because I don't want her to be doing this when Lucifer and Rory are trying to make the most of the day regardless of if it's the last day or not. But Lucifer comes in to pick her up, basically. And no? He comes in and hands her the baby clothing. Oh, yeah, true. Which means he did another stop by Linda's. True. Wait, when did we learn that she's... When he... Says... Oh, yeah, it is. We already talked about that, yeah. Yeah. So that's in that scene. Go, 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 go. Yeah. So... Yes, he did. He He shared... He grabbed... No, well, he he had to go pick up uh, Rory because Rory was there with Charlie. Oh, right. Oh, my. Ooh. So he had to go come by there anyway. Smart. I completely glanced over that fact. You are absolutely right. Yes. That's why I was like, oh, it makes sense that he has the clothing because yeah. Rory's waiting for him in the car. He walks in there and has a speech. And basically what that boils down to, that speech, to me personally, if there is any chance to be had, I will always choose us. I need you to understand that. Mm. Which is something that Chloe needs to hear right now. Because yeah. she's been behaving like he's decided to leave. And that is very unfair. And that is very unfair. And she finally hears him in this scene, which, yay. It's also very know. Chloe to be so obsessive about this and needing like this heart-to-heart -heart moment to break out of it. Yes. 
We, of course, also in this scene get the whole kneeling and will you spend a day with me where you think, oh no, he's going to propose after all and then he doesn't and it's just like, they love fucking with us, don't they? So much, yeah. Especially fucking Chris Rafferty. Yep. Rude. In the end, they decide to spend a day together, Chloe is on board and we head over to the beach. And I assume we have a song for the drive. We do have a song. It's a beautiful song by Phantom Planet. And it's called Time Moves On. I was not a fan of the driving montage thingy. It feels like wasted time and space for me. There's nothing gained from this. There's no deepening the relationships. It didn't give me anything. And given how much the entire episode is giving me, this scene was a very glaring impression spot. I understand where you're coming from. I uh, did appreciate the scene because I uh, feel like it gives us the dynamic between the three of them before we actually get to the beach. The fact that Chloe feels way more relaxed now and she's clearly comfortable being there and she's enjoying herself. And they have this little moment when at the end of this driving montage we get the camera kind of going a little bit further away and she grabs Lucifer's hand and she kisses it and it's this mm. little moment when it just gives me this they're all three of them are so happy to be there this is a family I didn't need the driving scene the beach yeah. scene was nice enough for me that's understandable we go to the actual beach scene and we have Chloe walking around with a champagne glass champagne in her hand yeah. and that caused some complaints back when the episodes came out. Like, people were like, oh, she's not supposed to be drinking, she's pregnant. Why would they show her with alcohol in her hand when she's confirmed pregnant? Like, that was a point of contention. Interesting. Because, like, the fact of the matter is, once you are pregnant and you are drinking alcohol, you are harming your baby. And it does not matter if it's just a tiny amount of alcohol or not. Even a tiniest amount of alcohol harms your baby. Well, when you think about it, like, when you just started talking about it, I don't think that she's drunk, even though, like, I just accepted it as a fact that she's slightly drunk or something. That's the thing. And people that's why she's were, being a bit... Yeah, that's the thing. People were like, oh, she's acting drunk, so she has been drinking and this is not like non-alcoholic or blah, blah, blah. So this was... I remember this being a big thing, especially mm. on Twitter. Like, people were very vocal about this being not okay. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I get it because alcohol consumption is so normalized in our society. Yeah. And we sort of ignore the horrific side effects of alcohol, not just with drunk driving and everything, but especially with... Oh, come on, don't be like that. Just have a glass. And have a glass when you're pregnant is really, really bad. Please don't drink when you're pregnant because you are irreparably damaging your child. And there are studies that your child will have a lower brain capability when you drink during the pregnancy. Like your child will be measurably dumber and have a harder time academically. And why would you do this to your child? Why would you give them a harder start than necessary? And so I get on the one hand the upset about the casual presentation of a freshly confirmed pregnant woman acting drunk and drinking. But on the other hand, this is still a TV show. So it's like, calm your tits. But on the other hand, we emulate what we see on television. So I'm a bit torn. So I'm confused as to why they made this choice. Why have her straight up giddy? Because she seems giddy. She seems drunk. She seems relaxed, which is weird after the tension that we've seen. So I'm actually really, really curious as to what the choice was. And this is one of the reasons why I would love to talk to Chris Rafferty because he wrote this. He wrote this mm-hmm. scene. And so why the choice with 
the alcohol. Why? And I'm, I'm actually really, really interested in if there is any information. And I didn't find any like statement mm. when people were talking about this online. So I don't know if in the meantime, maybe something came out. But yeah, this is something that I would like to ask if I have ever the chance to talk to Chris Rafferty. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I did not even think of that. I have to be honest <laughs> here. I didn't think twice. I immediately forgot that she's pregnant. <laughs> the internet did not. <laughs> and just assumed that she's having a glass of champagne. And we know Chloe doesn't really handle her liquor well. So it wouldn't surprise me if it only took like one glass. But no, you're right. She shouldn't be drinking. Yeah. And Chloe would not be drinking. Exactly. Once she's pregnant. While Chloe is walking along the beach, we have an absolute heartfelt moment between Rory and Lucifer. And this was incredibly beautiful because he is open and vulnerable and full-on soul-bearing with her here. And I love this because I feel like this is the final step for them to have a proper relationship with each other because he can emphasize with her anger towards him because of how much she was hurt by it towards herself. Because like he says, some part of himself was like, what makes me so unlovable? Some part was looking for blame within himself for the harmful and hurtful behavior of his father. And so even though she has not voiced this, he is aware that she most likely has these similar feelings where she is looking for blame within herself for her father not being around. And so him going, no matter what is keeping me from you, be aware that it could never be your fault. And so this scene was absolutely beautiful to me. This is one of my absolute favorite scenes. And Tom Ellis absolutely kills this. Yeah, it's incredible. <sighs> you said a lot of really, really good <laughs> things about this. And I absolutely agree with all of them. I do tend to word things a little bit more on a simple side. So to me, it was a lot of finally letting go of anger and resentment. They were, or mainly Rory, have been harboring towards Lucifer. But also partially, I feel like the leftover anger and resentment that Lucifer was still harboring towards his dad. Because... Now he's in the other position and he now he can use this experience to connect with his own daughter. And I am so happy that he did say it is never your fault. I need you to know it has never been your fault. Yeah. Because even though he can't fix the years that she has probably blamed herself or was looking for something within herself as he did, mm. he can make sure that she will have this memory of this conversation for the future references where she might find herself struggling or looking through experiences or reasons yeah. in the future. Of course, this is on the assumption that if and when this time loop ends at some point, she is going to retain memories of this interaction. <laughs> well, of course, of course. That is a whole different thing to talk about. I'm completely with you that his personal experience with his father is what enables him to actually emphasize with his daughter in this moment. And while this does, of course, not make his father's behavior okay in any shape whatsoever, it's also one of these classic examples of the shitty experiences that we go through enable us to emphasize with other people on a level that other people might not have been able to that did not go through this or similar experiences. And I feel while it would always be preferable to not go through the shit once we've made it through to use the experience and then make it just a tiny bit less shit for 
everyone who comes after mm. is one of the best things that is the basically the re- reward on the other side for when you make it through the shit. And yes. so I like these moments. I like these. I went through this. I can emphasize. I can associate. I can understand you on a level that others might not because I went through it, which does not make it okay. But I'm glad that I am here to help you. So very much here for it. <sighs> That's all I have for this very emotional uh, beach scene. <laughs> and then Chloe comes back to them and Rory makes the decision after seeing them together to leave them alone. Oh, wait, wait. There's one more thing. Sorry. He says to her that he believes her, that he mm-hmm. will leave, that mm-hmm. he will not have a choice about leaving and that he's sorry for leaving her. And this is a preemptive apology, but also it is a full on acceptance that what she has been telling them is true and that her understanding of how these time loop mechanics work is accurate. And this is a vote of confidence that in the past he has not given her, obviously, because in the beginning it was like, you're not my daughter and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like this is also such an important step. The full on, I believe you and I apologize for what is going to happen is this final margin that really solidifies their relationship. And I'm absolutely here for it. Sorry, now Chloe comes back and everything. I forgot that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Chloe comes back and after Rory sees them together, she makes the decision to leave. Yeah, to leave them alone. Yes. I understand that they would love to spend this time with their daughter because they don't know how much of that time will they have. But also, I love that she sees further than that. And not only she sees that, yes, Lucifer will be leaving them soon and this is his last day, but she understands that this is also Chloe's last day with Lucifer. Yeah. And she respects and that, that, and I she love this. Needs that. Yes, because this is the first non-egotistical act we see Rory do. Is it? This is not a. This is all about me, and I'm hurt, and my feelings, and why is my father such a horrible creature, and my mother is so awesome, and it was always the me focus. Everything only mattered in relation to her, and this is her taking the step back and giving space to the needs of other people. And I love this. Even though they don't realize it. Yeah. They don't realize how much they need that. It's an amazing moment. And I love it. (laughs) To me, it feels like at this point with her statement, it feels like she is writing the leaving for herself. She is making a decision of how it's going to look like so she can't be surprised or blindsided or anything like that. So I understand it from that point of view. Oh, absolutely. So I didn't really think of the other aspects as much when I was watching it the first time. This time it spoke a little bit more to me that she sees them together there and and she sees the love. She sees Dekastar. For each other. (laughs) And yeah, she sees Dekastar. She's now a shipper. She sees shining. She uh, accepts being a shipper. She has embraced it just like I have. (laughs) Exactly. She was struggling at the beginning. Uh, like me, uh, Rory and me, and we're the same she, person. <laughs> and then she shoots Lucifer, and everything is is better. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need violence as the answer. <laughs> God, let's not do that again. We're not done feeling things because now yeah, we have to go to the park. My first note on this scene is: I do not want to watch this scene. I still can't get over the fact that he's just casually walking around in a serial killer's body. And it doesn't have any consequences that we see. So I found that extremely entertaining. I mean, to be fair, he doesn't want to be caught. So I feel like with his knowledge of the police force, he would avoid... He's still openly walking through a public park. He walks up to Trixie and Mm -hmm. apparently very shortly forgets that he is not himself. But no worries, Trixie is trained well and... Kicks him in the balls while saying, stretch a danger! 
so proud of her. But of course, Dan manages to turn it around by saying that he is a friend of himself <laughs> and that Trixie's father talked so much about Trixie and told him so much. And so this is a very nice framing for him to be able to say his piece to Trixie. Also to have her being able to talk about her father because I feel like these are things that someone of her age would not say to their father to his face. Mm -hmm. And so him being someone else enables her to actually talk like this about him. And I really, really like this. And of course, this scene is incredibly emotional, especially for people with father issues. That's obviously none of the people here. Like, no. no, no, no. (laughs) However... It's a very beautifully shot as well, because in the moments before we get Kevin back in that scene, Rob again, again, does an incredible job with the posture and the movement. It just feels like Dan. And then the second we get the camera going around Trixie's head and then we we pass around and it's suddenly Kevin Alejandro again. So well done. It's beautiful to watch and it does not disrupt the scene whatsoever to see somebody else standing there. It suddenly, it feels correct. It feels like it's been there It's so organic. Yeah, that that's a good word. Sorry. Yeah, it's so organic for him to suddenly be there by himself. And it's, God, I love this scene. It hurts me in a way that I can't even. But it's just so beautiful because he goes around saying all of these things about himself, all of these self-doubts that he's had about being a father to Trixie, not being a role model to her. Yeah. And she shuts it down. So hard. Damn. She's like, take it back because that's not true. Yeah. This is not my dad. My dad was amazing. He was a great role model. And everything she says has so much substance because all the examples yeah. that he, that she gives, that mistakes are important and that we learn from them and everything. It's so beautiful and it's also so honest because, yes, Dan was a deeply flawed human being and character and everything. I'm pretty sure he hid like the most gruesome parts of his life from his daughter, but he never made a secret of him being a flawed human and that it is okay to be a flawed human and that you grow from your mistakes and that it's important to do that. And so it feels so incredibly genuine what Trixie is making as a point here. And so it made a lot of sense to me that this is where he was holding on to and that this is also what he needed to be able to let go. Mm -hmm. Of course, worst possible timing. I mean, seriously, leaving the body of a serial killer this close to your daughter. Yeah. What? Obviously. However, he couldn't have known that. And I know, but still. <laughs> I've seen this while binging a very long time ago and now rewatching this. I just knew that he... That she's safe. Uh, basically, I wasn't sure how they did this because I remember Dan going to heaven, possibly. Or like, I'm pretty sure that's confirmed. Oh yeah, he's, he's ascending. I didn't remember at what point of a conversation this happens because... And then I was like... So does this happen in the middle of a conversation with Trixie? So he's just standing there talking no, to no, Trixie. No, no, no. This is, this is the okay. end. This is the so, end. Yeah, she fucks off. I know. And then it I know now. But I didn't remember the exact details of the scene. I just knew ah, okay. what happens. So when I see her walking away, because it's like, I'm actually busy. So if you don't mind, <laughs> and <off>. walks away. <laughs> and then and only then he actually leaves Lamech's body. I'm like, thank you. 
thank you for not leaving Trixie in a complete immediate danger. Yeah, I still worried for her a lot. Yes, I did worry for her, but it would not be... Like, yes, and especially when we have the close-up on Lamech's face. Yeah! Again, Rob, thank you for doing an incredible job. The face that he pulls, definitely not done. Immediately, you know that. And he gives the little side smile. And my first instinct was he's going to go and grab Trixie. Yeah, that's what I worried about. But of course, we get the final scene. Yeah, yeah, we get the final scene. But like at this moment, Trixie is surrounded by at least 20 other people. Lamech is standing there, has no weapons. He has no way of grabbing her. He could still stalk her or something. But yeah, of course. Yes, but like... Chloe would pick her up from there or somebody specific would pick her up from there. He has more pressing matters to attend because he was paying attention in the previous Well, there is another thing, yes. But in this moment, I did not think of Lumac having any information whatsoever. To me, main thing was Trixie seems to be safe, but I'm worried. (laughs) Okay. We go into the final scene and yeah... There's a huge fucking panic room in the penthouse, so might as well use it, huh? It's bigger on the inside, Lena. Well, I feel like this is like a half floor. Yes, it probably is, but it's bigger on the inside. When you see the entrance, did you expect it to be this big on the inside? I did not. No, but I'm also not surprised because it's Lucifer. I'm going to let you talk about this scene because I know that it is like really well done and everything, but this is the emotional scene that did the least for me. Oh, Okay, so we have talked about this in the fun and facts. We get a song in this scene called Unchained Melody, which is also the song that I talk about in my Devils in the Music. And I talk about panic rooms in the Devils in the Detail. Look at that, we synchronize without actually synchronizing. Synchronized podcasting. And this specific version is performed by Mike Young. Now, we go through the scene and not much is said specifically within the panic room. We get the camera circling them and we get to see Lucifer and Chloe exchanging a little emotional bits, basically. What I thought of watching this scene was it feels like if they were having sex, (laughs) but in a mind version in a spiritual way spiritual sex it's like yeah spiritual sex it's like they connected but not with their bodies they still did the whole like touching a forehead and kissing a nose and hugging here and things like that they felt each other's presence for the entire time but it was more about the spiritual connection that they created for each other throughout the last six seasons of the show it was about the love that they have for each other and enjoying every single moment of it and remembering every single detail of each other's faces and bodies just in case this is the last time. Yeah, that is what it felt like to me. This was memorizing the other person. Yes. And yes, you can do that having sex and naked. (laughs) The way I prefer it. But you don't need to do that naked and having sex. You can very well have this connection, as I said, on a spiritual layer, which is something that is not Lucifer's go-to in our experience. But it is 
when it comes to Chloe. I'm not saying that he doesn't love having sex with Chloe. Absolutely he does. Oh, she also likes having sex, but yeah, like this is a yeah. new facet that we haven't yes. seen of his. And it's beautiful to watch for me because it just gives us Decker Star. Mm. We make it through the scene and then the alarm beeps and we have made it through the day and that was way too easy. So when we make it through this day and it is apparently so fucking easy, I was like, this was too easy. So something now needs to go wrong. See, to me, when the lock clicks, unlocks and they walk outside, the music and everything, it feels like there's something going to be waiting for them outside. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, that was not my expectation. But to me, it was like, okay, we made it, but we can't actually have made it. Like something is fucked. And not gonna lie, I did not see Lamech kidnaps Rory happening on my bingo card for this show. So that is really curious. But it makes sense because when Dan and Lucifer were talking in the bar, Lucifer was talking about his daughter. And so it makes sense. And the fact that she is the most important person in his life. Exactly. He painted a ginormous target on Rory's back. I do wonder though how Lamech was able to kidnap Rory because she is still a fucking angel with fucking blades for wings so how the fuck did that happen like she's a badass supposedly I mean okay he's a fucking mercenary but still she's a supernatural creature so I'm very very curious and of course he has to go to the place that he vanishes so which is the indication that he truly did hear what Lucifer and Dan have talked about because Lucifer mentioned specifically this address which in the moment felt like why would he say the address he didn't need to tell Dan the address but it serves the purpose purpose of storytelling so now we have to go there exactly and this is where the episode ends and now we only have one more episode left i actually forgot to write my general notes because covid (gasps) brain but that doesn't matter so penultimate episode of lucifer this episode is a pure emotional roller coaster and it serves its purpose very very well we get to say goodbye via Lucifer to basically all of our important characters. So now our last episode can focus on our grand finale without having also the responsibility to have us say goodbye to every single character. Of course, notably, there was no saying goodbye to Eve. I'm actually kind of upset about that because Lucifer and Eve did have a very close connection for a long time. So I would have liked to at least see her. And I get it because this was still COVID and she was already absent in several other episodes. At least we did get everyone else because I feel like there was literally every single other character that we have come to love and grown with throughout this entire show that Lucifer said his goodbyes to. And so really, really well done. We also sorted the question about the whole oh no who's gonna be the next god it's the most obvious choice it's a mega god and he is also not gonna compromise his own priorities because he's gonna be a new type of god he's gonna share the work with his siblings which i love because they apparently want to be helpful and so he should actually use them and i love that we now have a transparent god and not the mysterious way bullshit which i always hated and i have been very vocal about this so i love the fact that the man is a new improved kind of god and that he's still gonna be a father to his son and that he's still gonna be a friend to his friends and everything. I am very curious as to what 
this last episode is gonna give us because now we know the world is no longer ending we have sorted the god situation and everything so all of the stakes that we have built up to are gone and now the only thing that is left is lucifer vanishing on this very day because in my opinion the new day doesn't start until you've slept so it's still the day he vanishes <laughs> and obviously it's i'm not right the date. it's the day it's the date i don't care Time is such a fictional thing. Like, we decided to put 24 hours in a day and everything. It's just like, what? Like, seriously, a new dawn is how a new day starts. So until the sun fucking rises, we don't have a new day, period. And I feel like that makes perfect sense. I just made this up, but I am here for it. So this is still the day or the night Lucifer vanishes. And now he has to go and save his daughter from a fucking unreasonable murderer that has a beef with him. Because Lucifer fucked with him, I assume. And we don't know how badly he fucked him up. So let's see how this goes. One more episode. Mm. So I am very glad that we finally managed to wrap up things with Dan. I knew he was only a matter of time after he figured out where his true guilt lies. And I actually really, really, really loved how his storyline was brought to fruition. Oh yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, I didn't love how Chloe struggled with the whole enjoy today while you can concept. But look, Looking back, it does make sense because she is indeed the kind of a person who will always want to be ready for everything. Everything has a solve. And I am really, really happy that she decides in the end to spend the time with Lucifer and Rory. And with Lucifer's goodbyes. Is there a better way to wrap up a show than to have your main character say goodbye to every single person around him. I hate it. I hated how good this was. And it was really smartly done. And I hate it. This made me emotional. But I also loved it very, very much. So I want to say, bring on the last episode. However, I am too busy crying. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch, and hours of bonus content. Yes, Hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.